Podcast One presents. This is a collect call from Sing Sing. My name is John J. Lennon. I'm locked up for selling drugs and committing murder. I'm also a contributor for Esquire magazine and the Marshall Project. So I'm a writer and I'm a prisoner. Imagine trying to stay focused and talk about issues of substance with geeks slamming, prisoners screaming, and PAs blaring in the background. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts. It is Thursday, May the 7th. We're getting an NFL schedule here today. Uh, This is the PFF forecast. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have uh, a good friend of the podcast, but he's never been on the podcast. Uh, Austin Gale is in the house. Um, Eric, uh, it was was originally his idea. I can't take credit for it. It was a really good idea. And I'm really excited that it was today because we have some good news to talk about. So this will be a lot of fun. We're going to talk to Austin, and then uh, we've got a couple of really good reviews that came in with questions uh, that we'll talk about and we'll do a little division um, odds conversation at the end because what does the season schedule potentially mean for those so that being said let's rock Welcome in, bro. I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. This is an honor, a privilege. Eric, we have to start with this. Uh, this this Earl Thomas thing is just incredible. Austin, I need your thoughts. Uh, honestly, and it's unfortunate to say, but I'm I'm a little bit I'm happier that it wasn't like like Earl Thomas, you know, significant domestic violence. I, I just didn't like I, I you, you had that feeling when you saw the Instagram video that like this was going to be like somehow worse than it was i know it was obviously terrible for all thomas like being held at gunpoint like he was you know bad you know honestly life-threatening but i just would hate i would have hated to see another nfl player like do like some just ridiculous act against a woman like i couldn't i couldn't bear it so uh it, it was somewhat a relief but at the same time like a wild story start to finish and then on the video he says these things happen and then when you see the actual story it's like dude i don't know i don't know how often these things happen I'm not sure these things exactly happen. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> here, it, you said that you were glad it wasn't something that he did to his wife. I would argue that um, walking in, quote, to see Earl and Seth, who's his brother, not Seth, not PFF Seth, not Seth Galena, <laughs> but Earl and Seth uh, in bed with other women, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty jarring. I would be. Yeah weirded the hell out um if i saw if i saw a significant other in bed with his brother um it's not a good story the interesting thing about it though is it probably has very little impact on um on earl thomas and playing for the ravens though Mm -hmm. like there are some disturbing things in there right like there's the whole um she was mad at him for like a drinking issue that he was having he has this gun that's just laying around that she finds. It's a quarantine, and he's getting Airbnbs with his brother and random women. I don't know. That worries me a little having, bit. Having a random gun, like, you know, I was, I was, having just a random gun hang, laying around there is sort of like a, I don't know, when it when it comes to, like, relationships and things like that, isn't that just like a, 
that's just like a bad, especially like during a quarantine where everything's a little bit more, <laughs> yes. you know, uh, they also, charged, I, I, think I guess. It stemmed from a previous altercation where I think it, I think in the beginning of that story, it says that she was chasing him with a knife and he had a gun and they were like running around a car. Like that's a, like, this just sounds like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a scary situation. Like I would agree. I think he says that in the video like that. It's, it's, I think it's a scary situation for sure what they're both in. He made the mistake of saying that it was, um, that it was a bad way to interrupt his birthday breakfast too. Oh, I didn't. I forgot about that part. Honestly. That's probably that something his, you should leave wait, out. Wait, was his right? brother and the thing they were doing the breakfast? I don't know. Like, I, was that? <laughs> yeah, the is breakfast? that like his birthday? Do I have to look up an Urban Dictionary? Like, is that? So maybe our maybe our assumptions are false with what they were doing with the girls in bed. It could have been a bed and breakfast. It could have been bed and breakfast. It could have been. It could have been breakfast and bed, mimosas, the whole lot. Which girls, I, I mean, the girls like, were like just a, like serving a platonic breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> yeah, she it could have been like. She could have been like the waitress or something. It's yeah. it's he and his brother's birthday ritual. Far be it for me know. to judge. This is true. This is true. I don't have any brothers, so I can't uh, I can't relate. Though I will say it's a good thing I don't have a gun. Um, if I did during quarantine, I would throw it away. If I yeah. you know. I would just like not put quarantine that. is testing relationships. That's fact. Like that is my, my girlfriend literally shot. looked over at me as if, yeah, that'd be a smart thing to do. <laughs> um, all right. That was our Earl Thomas, uh, side of the segment. Hopefully we can get more references to Earl Thomas throughout, uh, the, the podcast. Um, Austin, your story is great. And I know that on, like your own podcast, you don't have as much time to talk about how you ended up at PFF, what you do at PFF, and that we want to give you that opportunity. So give us the like shortish version of where you're from and how you got here. Gotcha. Uh, well, I'm from Oakland, California, born, oh, yeah. uh, born and raised in Oakland. Oh, yeah. And um, But I did not go to Oakland schools after fifth grade. My parents wanted me to be an interdisciplinary transfer and go to other schools. So I wasn't like, didn't go to Oakland Tech or those things, but I did live in Oakland for majority of my life and then went to San Diego State, uh, graduated in 2017 with a degree in liberal studies and a minor in journalism. So how that worked was I really wanted to be a math teacher. I wanted to be a math teacher like through and through. And I think part of it's because like a lot of people that don't know what they want to do want to be teachers because it's all they kind of know. I think that's part of it. But also I really like I really like math. I thought I was good at it, you know, whatever that was. And I also like working with kids. So that was what I was pursuing. And then like I really had an interest in football as well. I coached at the high school level when I was in college. And then I did some um, I started my own website. TheDraftPulse.com, dude. It wow. was it was it was uh, terrible. No one read it, but like I, I I was super excited about it. And then that led to like a handful of unpaid writing opportunities with various like let's call them SB Nation sites, like like those types of sites where you're kind of writing with those sites. And um, that led to um, an unpaid internship with um, San Diego Union Tribune, and then I had Fox Sports San Diego was, was my first like paid opportunity, and then I, I, I started to think, you know what, maybe this teacher thing could be put on hold, and I could pursue this writing thing, and then I, I was the editor at the newspaper, sports director at the radio station, I, I had another opportunity with Fox Sports San Diego, and um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to swing the bat here, I'm going to apply to a bunch of writing jobs, 
and I applied to over like 250 places and got three responses, despite like what I thought was a pretty decent <laughs> resume, because I was doing all this unpaid stuff, and I was a part-time analyst at PFF. I was a writing tutor at San Diego State. Like I was trying to flex on this resume tough, and it still three places heard back. Big Ten Wrestling for the Lincoln Journal Star. Yes. Uh, softball, uh, high school softball in Baltimore, bad area of Baltimore. I won't even. There is a fourth opportunity, but it was is there in a good Pratt, area of Baltimore. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then it was a, it was this full time offer in Cincinnati with BFF being a customer service guy. So I was like, you know what? It's not writing. That's that's okay. I'd rather do that. I think than go to Lincoln and cover wrestling because I wanted to be in football. I wanted yeah. to be in football. So I, I go to I go to be a customer service guy in Cincinnati. But I know I have to write. Nine days in, I've already su- submitted resumes to the Cincinnati Enquirer, City Beat, and Fox Sports Ohio. I get part-time gigs with all three. <laughs> so I start freelancing and covering high school football here in Cincinnati. Uh, I was covering base Reds games, Columbus Blue Jackets for Fox Sports Ohio. And then I was doing food like reviews and food stories for City Beat, which is actually a lot of fun. And I, I learned a lot from that. But um, I was writing more and more. And then I, I eventually stopped those opportunities when PFF gave me an opportunity to write a little bit more and edit even for the site. And that's when kind of now developed into the uh, what I'm doing now. That wasn't super short, and I apologize. Well, the, the, <laughs> the cool thing about the food reviews is that we, we know like where to go downtown now. Exactly. Right. I've been to everywhere. I feel like I have a good story from those, actually. I, I'll, get, I'll drop this story. Yeah, there was this place called Shadow Breads in Cincinnati that was owned by Steve Palazzolo. <laughs> yeah, not Steve Palazzolo. <laughs> but it was owned by this guy who was like baker through and through, like born with an apron and flour. Like it just mm-hmm. looked like this guy was all he wanted to do. And he made an agreement to his long distance wife in minnesota that when his kid was 18 he'd moved to minnesota it was like a as like an, a 16 year agreement like he made the agreement when he was two finally that happens and she makes him do it and he has to give up this bakery that he's like literally poured his life into and he sells it to his accountant and i'm interviewing this accountant who's taking over and i'm at, like it is the scariest interview i've ever done because he's so nervous and i'm asking him <laughs> What do you plan on doing? It's a simple question. What do you plan on doing to replace, obviously, this god of a baker that's going to Minnesota? And he's like, I can't answer that. And it was, like, weird as hell, dude. It was like he didn't want to answer questions about the bakery. Like, he didn't want to answer questions about the changes. Like, I ended up having to tell the editor, like, dude, I don't know if I can write this story. This guy's sketching me out. Like, I don't know if it's turning into, like, a money laundering thing. But, like, it was wild um, that this very good bakery that I used to go to all the time was right by the PFF office got sold to this account. And I don't even know if it exists now. So that's one of the City Beat stories I had. I can't believe we haven't gone back. <laughs> well, I thought, I, I, when's the last time any of us have been? I mean, Austin, you live downtown, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when's the last time any of us have actually been? We like, we don't. There, there's no way that that made it through COVID nineteen. I right? doubt it. Yeah, I there's doubt no it. Chance. I mean, they had these peanut butter like chocolate explosion cookies before the accountant took over, and then they stopped with those because the accountant didn't like peanut butter. Is that not insane? That's, That's ridiculous. just insane. Like this guy, like completely. What would be know, the football equivalent of that? That'd be like Neil not liking the like fantasy and us not having fantasy. It's true. It's true. It would be like it would be like Mike McCarthy not liking you know the read the, the read give you know with Dak and then and then just like throwing <laughs> just getting it out. rid of it. Yeah. Um, the so I went to draftpulse.com. Is it still there? <laughs> it's still there. And, oh my god! Uh, I found um, the one of the last things here. So. This was, let's see, where is this? This is a post-Super Bowl mock. Oh, man. Is it fire? Um, so this is 2015. 
You have Mariota going first to the Bucks. You've got the Titans taking Leonard Williams. This is where it gets really interesting. Oh, man. You've got Ty Sembrello, offensive Dude, tackle, I love Colorado Ty State, coming out. I going did. to the Jaguars. You have your Raiders taking Randy Gregory at four. Nice. The Skins Nebraska take Landon. The, the Skins, interestingly, took Landon Collins. Now he's and then dead. the Jets took Jameis Winston, which would uh, would have been awesome. Uh, you had Shane Ray going to Chicago, and then you had Vic Beasley going to Atlanta, which... Dude, I was a freaking, you know, gem, man. You, got, you guys should have hired me way earlier, man. I, I, had I didn't realize that you were such a draft Nick prior. Like, you know, I figured so you, were, I you were was, just a talented guy that adapted. Yeah, I did that because I felt like it was, like, an opportunity where, like, you didn't need to cover a team to be kind of good mm-hmm. at it. And I feel like that's another reason why draft Twitter kind of takes over. Like, you don't need access to write about it. Like you, you, like you just can watch YouTube highlights and have takes. Like, and my takes were bad. That's where I was. But like, uh, when I started writing with San Diego State, they, they were, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I would like to be on the football beat. It's like, yeah, that's reserved for juniors and seniors. And it's like you can write men's tennis. And I wrote men's tennis for a year, and like, I feel like I got better as a writer because I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Like, I, I, I wrote um, my first ask at the Cincinnati Enquirer. They were saying, we really appreciate you know sending in the samples, the writing resume, all that stuff. Uh, how many times have you covered lacrosse? It's like, oh, a handful of times. Never covered lacrosse. I went to the state, did the cover the state championships in lacrosse <laughs> and was like literally Googling the rules. Are you like, reading the rules on the way? That's I was reading now. the rules on the way. And like, I, um, it was wild. Then they had like their other writer that was there who was covering, oh, I think, man. the bigger teams was like, hey, man, you want to go on camera and like interview the winning team? I'm like, what? Dude, I'm like, like so young. I'm like, dude, I don't know. And then you need to find I, this video. I, I interviewed Eli Rabinold, 14, 15-year-old sophomore who, like, dominated state championships. I asked her, she had, like, an eight-goal game. And I was like, oh, man, like, what went into this game, blah, blah, blah. And she just looks at me and she says, it was awesome. I didn't have a quick enough follow-up. I just kind of stared at her and it was weird. It's like, I thought she was going to ride it out a little bit. But, yeah, I had some, the, 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 the interview days were great. Interview days. I mean, the, uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer days were fun. I'm, I'm going to find this video. I've already found an article that you wrote on lacrosse, and hopefully... I can find the video here. You'll get there. You'll get and there. we can share with the world. That's what I need. <laughs> That's what I need. Um, what? Awesome. So here's a question that we're, we've been we've been asking people. What has been the your one like coronavirus like habit? Ooh. Ooh. I have bought box coffee at absurd amounts here because the coffee shops are closed and I'll take the bag out of the box and just like have it on my desk and just light it up I do not I do not have one right now I'm out I'm out so I just went to the coffee shop to grab some but like I need to get another box like I've just like been nursing these bags like it's bad dude like coffee habits gotten worse somehow is it like boxed wine? It's like it's yeah it's exactly like boxed wine but for iced coffee do you ever so do you ever pick up the bag Slap and walk over, bit. walk over and slap the bag. Uh, I have. <laughs> Do you I ever ask Haley to come over and hold the bag for you so you can <laughs> slap it? I have as a joke with Haley. I think once or twice, but um, it also like you. And it's a lot of coffee, man. I don't know. It's crazy. I like it's it. Gotta be, it's gotta be good. It can't be good coffee either. I like the coffee actually. It's called Walking Bear. A little shout out to Walking Bear, or like I don't know if it's Crawling Bear, Walking Bear. Regardless, it's a, it's it's good. Eric, what are you doing for coffee? Because both of you consume, for people that are not in the PFF offices, there are no two people that consume more coffee than the both of you. But neither of you make coffee. 
Now, yeah, Eric, we make, Eric okay. I think you've adapted though, right? Yeah, so I make, well, me, me or my wife will make coffee the last couple of days that we've been short. And instead of going to the grocery store and getting more, we have been ordering it from a place called Mad Llama in Madeira, Ohio. Over wow. here. Mad Llama. But, um, you know, good fire. news, I guess, Starbucks next to my house is opening today. Uh, it was gone for two months, so we'll see That's if we'll, we'll see if I continue uh, my, um, you know, <clears throat> my, you, you know, basically got, making coffee at home. You've got a French press, though. I do. Here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've been consuming nearly as much coffee as I used to at the oh. office, um, but shame. Uh, I still am. My so, I, I've been doing the same amount of coffee that I normally do, which is a giant cup in the morning. And I, I wean myself off of doing one in the afternoon. But of late, there's been a place that's doing like you can order on the app and walk over and pick it up. And that has been my guilty pleasure. So I've been like getting kicked out of the apartment to, because I'm so loud. So I'll go take a call outside and I feel bad for myself. So I've been ordering myself coffee, <laughs> like a, you know, an Americano or something like that. But the other, the other thing that I've noticed is just every single evening, it's like, you know, would a would a would a glass of tequila or wine really be the worst thing in the world? <laughs> and the answer is always like, no, no, it's not. It's not that terrible. Yeah, I think I think I've taken uh, an inordinate amount of radio hits while walking, like down the street, and like a couple times I've been called on it, and then I just like make a big joke out of like not wanting to be three hundred pounds when this whole thing is said and done. Austin, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's? I think there's. I think that's a little outside of, if I have someone on my podcast, like if you were right mm -hmm. now walking around Cincinnati in the blowing wind, I'd be kind of yeah. pissed. Yeah. Can I get a ruling on whether Eric taking Dude, radio I stopped hits doing, hey, I stopped doing it. Hey, stop shaming me. I stopped doing it. I'm just saying. Taking radio <laughs> hits during a podcast? Wait, no, what? no, taking radio hits while walking. Oh, no, no, I, I've done that before, too, and it's it's bad. Like, it's like one guy called me out like on the things. Like, it sounds like you're getting attacked by bobcats because the wind is so bad. Like, it was like I, I, I always stay away from it because I know, like, like you just there's so many variables you can't control. Like, there could be literally construction, all that stuff. Like, I, like I've done it walking and then you like hide in like a parking lot and then someone like tries to come up to you because you're like hiding and looking weird. And they're like, no, 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 no go away. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, I have, like, this special gift of, like, not caring what my neighbors think. And so, you know, if I'm just, like, yelling about Grant Delpit, you know, in the middle of the street, like, everybody, you know, like, there's, there's, a, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of leverage you can have with, like, no shame at all. The, the funny thing about PFF is that we had a podcast that started, and it, it ended up being Sam and Steve. And so we were like, okay, well, we're just going to do podcasts with two dudes. Like, that's just what we're going to do. And somehow they put Eric and I the two like biggest assholes on the planet uh, on the same podcast if we if one of us cared more about others i think we'd have i think we'd be more successful <laughs> but the, the fact <laughs> that both of us just like are kind of you know kind of impervious to what others uh say is probably not the best no thing. no i care you about no no here's the thing i care about other people <laughs> no don't i don't lie. i care about other people when they're when they're when their uh, well, let's say feelings are frivolous, then I then I you know I give it the right amount of care. Sure. Okay. Um, you know. I, yeah. Whatever. I don't believe you, but um, I, I want to talk about the the season a little bit. We have had some conversations about 
Okay, we're trying to prepare for the best and the worst. So the schedule's coming out, and it's like, okay, this is really good. This is great news. But also, you know, if football doesn't happen, you know, we have to, we're thinking about that too. Austin, where are you right now? Are you on the side of all of football is going to happen? Are you on the side of half of football is going to happen? Are you, I don't think football is happening. Where are you at right now? Man, I mean, it's tough. I, I think I, re- I read a lot about it and trying to figure out and trying to put myself where I want to be. Like, it sounds like something that's given me hope is, you know, the goals of the NBA and the goals of Major League Baseball to try and get things going in June and potentially start back up in July. That, that gives me hope in terms of having a season full without fans. I am 100% aligned. The best case scenario is a full season without fans. I don't think, or like maybe best case scenario, like in super rose colored glasses, is they allow like 25% of the stadium to be filled and like go by social distancing. But that's might even be too rose colored. I think there is a chance. I don't know what to make of them moving the non conference games to the first four weeks. Like, I don't know if that's an entertainment play or if that's like, trying to get some of those done and then follow those up with, you know, the, the, the division games to like kind of have a level playing field. I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm, I'm interested in, in why they're making that decision. Like, I don't know if it's purely an entertainment play or is it to kind of stack division games later in the year so that like every division game really, really matters. I don't know. So I hope if, it's an entertainment play. Well, if they have to cancel, so this is, I'm going to be very interested to see if they go, all of the out-of-conference division games first because that would lead me to believe that they that they think there's a decent chance those get canceled yeah. and that there's a 12-game season. And that's why I will not be surprised if opening night game is like, that's not that exciting of a game. It's Kansas City at home against Carolina. They're going to be 17.5-point favorites. And we don't care because people are going to be so happy to watch this if it happens. And if we have to cancel it, like, boo-hoo. So if it were, if they did come out and they had, let's say they had Kansas City at home against the Chargers, that would make that would give me a lot of reassurance. Gotcha. That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, agree with that. But is it? it yes, I, I think it's very. So here's here's my. I think it's all the that aspect of it is less negative maybe than we maybe t- uh, portended to be because. If they weren't preparing for the possibility that they would need to push the season back four weeks, I'd be more concerned than them putting sort of a, like, planning for a 16-game season, preparing for, or, you know, hoping for the best and preparing for the worst, right? Like, I'd almost be a little bit, and, and we've seen it, like, they've they've taken a lot of stuff seriously when, you know, the two of us were kind of like, God, I really hope football doesn't think it's God here and can overcome anything. Like, to me, the fact that they put the schedule the way that they have, or think they're thinking about putting the schedule the way that they have, to me says that they're going to take this seriously, and hence they're going to have a better chance of beating it. You guys, I'm worried, my my biggest worry is what happens, so that the other, because I could see the negative side of other leagues coming back first. So let's say the NBA comes back first, and their plan doesn't quite work out, and they've got a team... Let's just say like half a team gets COVID-19. That's coronavirus. By the way, I never know which one to say. I don't know which one makes me sound less pretentious. Is it COVID-19? I, like COVID. I kind of yeah. like COVID. You just like I don't know, though. I'm, I'm, anything but the Rona, I feel like, works. 
Yes, okay. agreed, agreed. The Rona so, is awful. <laughs> so if a if an NFL, if an NFL team is going to come back, they're I would assume a bigger risk than an NBA team because it's bigger, and that you know they're just going to have to be in a close closer quarters. If an NBA team comes back and half a team gets coronavirus, does that mean that the NFL is screwed, or is the NFL just going to say, you know what, that was the NBA, they they messed it up, we're we've got a better plan? Does it help or hurt that other leagues are coming back? I I'm not sure. I think I, it helps. I honestly do because I think it'll give it, it'll give them op- you know other leagues opportunities to see like what works and what doesn't. And I think yeah. you see what like Korea is doing and, and like testing players as they enter the stadium or on their way to the stadium. I think Eric has mentioned that, but like that's like the process that I think will work. It's like a lot of testing, a lot of you know obviously like social distancing and those things to try and make sure that when the players do get to the game and all the you know, personnel that's uh, like the coaching staff and stuff that's there, they all have been tested. They're all in a good place and you're ready to rock and roll. Like, I think that's, that's gotta be the play. And if you do that, I, I, I'm, and no fans, I, I'm not, I'm convinced that I think you could, I think it could work. I mean, my, my opinion about what this looks like aside, like the, one of the biggest concerns for football has to be how it, how it looks if they're the first mover, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they don't. If every single league says, "Hey, this is too dangerous," and football decides, like, "No, it, it's fine," then that's that's a risky proposition for the NFL. So, if first other sports are first movers, I think it takes a lot of pressure off the NFL. Yeah, that, you know, in terms point. of an appearance standpoint, and yeah, and college football as well. I mean, like there, there's a ton of you know, we've talked about this on our show, like you know, two or three weeks ago with Kevin, but it's like, you know, there's there, there's a ton of like, you know how you know how everything looks and um you know the 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 differences in you know viewers aside between like something like the nba or nhl and and the nfl notwithstanding like i think it does help the nfl a to be prepared which is huge i i honestly you know the fact that they're they're going through protocols here is is good i mean you know they have months to do so and they are which is great um but also that other leagues might go before them I think it's just a positive if you want football to happen. What What about the idea that, so like the Major League Baseball is like, okay, we need to shorten our season because we think there could be a, you know, a relapse and we don't want to be in the middle of the season when that happens. The NFL doesn't have that luxury. They would theoretically be right smack dab in the middle of the season if this came back in, in the, you know, late fall, winter is there a way that they could build contingency into that? Because I was trying to think of, would you put, would you have the the out of conference games to start, and then you would push all the important games later, and that's actually more risky. Whereas if you had a set of division games to start the season, you feel like you can start the season, and then maybe you have a chunk in the middle where you have more flexibility if you needed to cancel things. Well, I do think that that's what they're doing, right? Because most of the division games, like, aren't they doing the intra-conference games after that? So, well, like, the or the common the common opponent games or whatever. Like, the, I do think that that's kind of what they're doing, isn't it? Well, is it, I thought it was going to be out of out of conference um, games for to start. And then I didn't know what was going on from then. I didn't know if they were going to go right into the out-of-division but inside conference 
or oh, if they man. were going to push the division games to the back end. Of the yeah, so this games. this is the equal place conference. So they're basically going from least important to most important. So week five and six is basically an equal conference, equal place conference game. So for example, you know Kansas City is going to play New England because they mm-hmm. both played. You know, we're in first place, and even though the AFC East doesn't play the AFC West. You know, that's where the last two games of the schedule come from. So, so my that, take on that is actually that they are not planning to make any plays on a relapse. They're planning, if to anything, go, go to, go, to to either, you know, say like, hey, we can't start on time. You know, we're, we're moving. We're canceling the first two games right. of the season. Or, first or the first six season. games of the season. Exactly. Or, and th- but they, I don't think they're – I think the NFL is, is preparing to um, delay the start by virtue of canceling these non-important games and then just play the really important games or obviously play the whole season. They're obviously planning on that as well. But, like, I think the contingency, plan, contingency plans will be, oh, we can't do it yet, first two games are off. You know, can't do it yet, first two, next two games yeah. are off, and then you keep going until you get to the more important games. My, my thought would be the thing that has given me most hope for the NFL, I've said this a couple of times, is that they have forged ahead with doing the things that they, they thought they could do, even though they had to change a lot of things to do it. Free agency, the NFL draft, um, are both examples. Once they start delaying things, that is when that is when it's hard to come back mm-hmm. because you start setting a standard for, hey, we have to get here to come back, and those are hard to meet, especially because of where our nation is in terms of acting like as a whole to get things done. Yeah. So that the second it, we have to delay one week, I, I worry about a snowball. I, I think it is really important that they do everything they can to set parameters around which they can get the first game played. That, mm-hmm. to me, is just massive. And I, 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 I don't know why. I, I think the preseason has to have a target on its back. Like I, I think the preseason has been talked about as one of the more pointless parts of the NFL season regardless. I, I think... They, I, you have to think that the contingency plan includes like removing all preseason games or something along those lines because like you can, I, I just don't think those are going to last if push comes to shove. I kind of assumed that. Yeah, I, I assumed it too. But then they, you know, they're saying, you know, we're going to come out with a preseason schedule in addition to a regular season schedule tonight. Like yeah. usually, the preseason that, schedule comes out before the regular schedule. So even then, there's been like a sort of a change in the system. I see that as an example of what I just said, which is. We are going to do everything as usual so that we don't we don't start down the slope that yeah. can get more and more slippery. We're going to make sure everything is the same and we're going to adapt those things to, to fit within our current system as opposed yeah. to canceling things where then people can criticize and say, hey, you canceled preseason, but you won't cancel the regular season. Like things haven't changed that much. So Dude, uh, yeah, because that's a tough question to ask, you know, right? like, it, Hey, you canceled the preseason because you were, you know, obviously, you know, acting on, you know, COVID nineteen potentially disrupting the league or uh, affecting the health of the players. But like regular season is just too important to have that yeah. same mindset. Like that would be a dangerous game to play by the NFL. But I mean, they've already done that in some ways. Like our OTA is not as important as yeah. you know the regular season. Our because like training camp is going to be abbreviated. You're not going to have rookie OTAs. I don't think. Like I, I'm interested in see like. Because, like, right now is when rookie OTAs are normally starting. It's, like, mm-hmm. the second week, third week of May, and I don't think those are happening, obviously. It's, like, how much of this abbreviated offseason is going to affect player performance as well and, like, well, the health and injury risk, too? Everyone talks about how the cuts in preparation and practice time have hurt, you know, offensive line play, for example. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting for me to see the difference because this is just. I hate doing this, but I, I still do it anyways, which is like, hey, this is my life situation. I wonder how I can uh, make an in- inference about what is happening right. elsewhere. So for me, it's been really hard to work out because I didn't buy any weights because I'm stubborn and I'm living in a studio. So like I'm doing all this body weight stuff. I'm not in the greatest shape I've ever been in. I'm certainly not in like football shape, right? If I were to classify myself as ever being in that situation. Are there players who have way less luxury and are actually not making enough money to stay in tip-top shape over the course of this time? And are there certain players that are at a threshold where they can? Are there, are there teams that have done a better job of helping their players during quarantine to stay in shape? Like All of those things are interesting to me. Yeah. Are, are there going to be teams that it comes out, it's like, yeah, we just had like half our team that just didn't work out a la Ryan Leaf like 22 years ago. <laughs> Ryan just Leaf awesome. like, Well, we, we saw this though. I mean, in 2011 when they had the lockout, Brian McKinney showed up to the Vikings training camp over 400 pounds and they just same. got him. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. That's so, me right now. They Eddie just Lacy apparently would just be... I, but Eddie Lacy, didn't someone... I heard someone say Eddie Lacy yeah. cut up now. He's in. Go check out his Instagram, Eddie Lacy. I'm so happy for him because uh, he was like he was just dogged so badly, and he seemed like a good dude. And he's he yeah. seems to be living his best life now. Anyways, so yeah, I, the work ethic though, the work it's like it's going to be on like in addition to being like financially capable of still having a very good diet, still being able to work out regularly in like a very good gym that allows you to kind of like best prepare yourself. Like there's that financial difference, but also like work ethic difference is going to matter here too like guys that are more willing to kind of prepare themselves for the season while others are kind of taking advantage of working from home as we've kind right. of seen too right. it's I, I think uh i think you can <laughs> see that like there's going to be that difference in work ethic and and obviously financial standing between like which players are prepared and which aren't like you know if the season does happen you know how many stories for like the first four weeks will be about guys just not being in shape and not being yeah. prepared like it'll I'll be it'll everyone be, too it'll be dominating it'll be dominating like the news cycle and like i don't know like i you could see i think you could see some high profile players potentially like just simply not be ready like just not be ready to produce it the you know the way you expect who's who's the highest profile guy that you could see just showing up and be like wow are you serious <laughs> that's a good question i don't know there aren't like big big bad Big Ben, that's a good one. I think Big, Big Ben's a great call. I thought of Big Ben, but then I was also like, "That's Big Ben is basically uh, prepared for quarantine his whole life because I don't think he goes to the right. gym Wilson. anyways. Wilson. Yeah. Wilson is interesting. I, I no, no, know. no. I was saying Wilson as in like he's, he's, like he's yelling at the ball. Russell Wilson is an interesting one, though, because he has a, a cool family they're just hanging out at home. I mean, his hair is going to look like Steve's hair by the time yeah. it's all said and done. That's the real. Oh, man. That's... It's not a forecast pod without a Steve hair roast. So you gotta and a, it's and a bread roast. It's, <laughs> um, all right, we'll get you out on, on uh, this. What um, If you had to pick a matchup uh, that you're most excited to watch this coming season, uh, either team or player, what would it be? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the one that everyone's kind of hyping up is that Tampa Bay Chiefs game. Like, I, I think that could be awesome to watch. I think both teams, I think, obviously, strengths on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be high scoring. I think it's in Tampa Bay in with Tommy Tampa. I, I don't, I can't get on board with Tampa. By the way, like it's that's either weird. Tommy Tampa yeah. or Tampa Brady. Like Tampa is awful. Like that's just a terrible nickname. But yeah. I, I think that matchup would be would be very fun, and I think it's a, it would be it would give both teams a real opportunity to see what how much they could you know shoot up the scoreboard and i, I think it would be especially because it will be early in the season now like hopefully it doesn't get canceled because i think it would be freaking awesome to watch they, yeah they that should. was that was the one i was gonna pick but that that's a good one i'm i, I mean sure. it is that's the game and they should put it in this is what they should do i hope i hope roger's listening the yeah. one place that you know football can be played is jerry world no games week one except for this game. Yeah, it's played in Jerry World. It's like the Super Bowl before the season starts. You huh. push everything back a week. You have this game. Everyone watches it, um, and it's in a neutral site. And then you start the, the season the next week. So like that would, in my mind, and the reason I, I actually think this makes sense. It's not going to happen, but why it would make sense is it would get the ball rolling. I think they could do a very good job of making sure one game is for sure played. How much betting handle would be on that game, though? That, be, that it would be, be un, unreal. What would the, the rating for that game would be Super Bowl esque? Like if it was, you know, like have NBC yeah. do no, the I thing. Agree. It would be absolutely incredible. Put it on a neutral site. I don't think either team would complain about that. I would be. What do you Bill think Belichick the spread is complain. in that game? If it's played in Tampa, I think... No, it's no, in, in a, what is a neutral site? Neutral site. So, if it's neutral site, Kansas City minus three and a half. Yeah. Especially right. if it's week one, you just don't know what... what right, I mean, Brady could be yet. washed. I don't think Brady's Stop. washed, but, but he Stop. could be washed. It's no. not... Brady is not washed, Eric. Brady is Bra- going to have... Brady I said, I, said I don't think he is, but I... But, <laughs> Brady is near the top of my. Uh, you know who's QB. washed and has been hyped up though way more than he should be is Rob Gronkowski. Like Rob Gronkowski, you want to talk about guys who are not going to show up prepared, dude. Rob <laughs> Gronkowski is not going to be ready to rock and roll to play inline tight end. Like I know they've talked about potentially moving him no, in, he, he's like this big slot, end. like yeah. big slot or whatever. But I don't know. Like I but, don't know how easy it's going to be for him to come in and play this year. Like I, 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 I'm tempering my expectations. I said this a couple weeks ago, but Rob Gronkowski. Is has played football every year for what was it? You know, like eighteen years. There's a level of I am used to putting up with like the the pains, and I I'm lifting heavy and all these different things. And then you stop doing that for like a year, and you're like, oh, I feel amazing. I've never felt this good. And you think that that means that you're in a position to just go back to doing it. And in reality, it's like your body being like, finally, I don't have to do this again. And the shock of having that back again. I can see him coming out and being like, you know, on fire week one. And then week two, it's like, yeah, Rob, Rob Gronkowski pulled like six muscles. He's, uh, he's not going to be playing for four more weeks. Like that to me is what happens. I am. I'm with you, man. I, I think that could easily happen. Alrighty. Uh, AG, we appreciate you. Thank you for hanging out with us. You should check out if you're not already, I can't imagine there's anyone that doesn't already, uh, follow the two for one drafts feed. Uh, with you and Mike, but if you don't, you absolutely should. It's fantastic. Some of the best interviews, draft content is fantastic. Um, so go check it out. 
Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. We got some good interviews lined up as well. Talking to some 2021 prospects already, some some analysts and stuff. Should be, should be a Which lot of ones? fun on Super 1. Give me, tease me a So the guys, guys we're targeting right now is, are guys that like PFF is probably going to be higher on than others, like Marvin Wilson, Florida State, Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, um, Dylan Moses, Valdez. Have you heard the Dylan Moses story, George? No. Dylan Moses, at 14 years old, at an LSU camp in eighth grade, ran a 4.46 and got an Get offer from Nick. And, and got Stop. an offer from Nick Saban that day in eighth grade, a full ride. He eventually became a five-star recruit and never wavered, went to Alabama. At nine years old, there's a story in the Players' Tribune that I would encourage you to read from 2017. At nine years old, his dad would have him wake up at six before elementary school, 400 push-ups, 800 sit-ups, 10 minutes of jump rope, and then he'd have him go on the bus. And when he comes back, if he didn't have track practice, they'd run for days and do more training at home or whatever. This guy, Jeez. you know, they talk about like Bama built different. This guy's literally, quite literally built in the lab. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, he's, like, one of the more athletic freaks we've got. In George, the game we gotta right we got to put this content in written form on the website. We can't have this just going on draftpulse.com. This is true. <laughs> like, this, I, I has got to, this has got to be, like, not only on his podcast, but it's got to be on written form on the website. You yeah. can find all of this at thedraftpulse.com. Austin <laughs> Gale's greatest website. Yeah, I don't know why we're pimping your podcast. Dude. You just got some people to draftpulse.com. Some people right? to the draft pulse, man. It's it's. I, I could go back to it. Well, who knows? <laughs> that had that had a little twinge of uh, Todd Marinovich to it with yeah. the dad Dude, it waking does. It up. It honestly does. It, you read the full article. It's kind of scary because like. And he said, so, so 400 push-ups, 800 sit-ups, and 10 minutes of jump rope at nine years old would take him about an hour and a half. Like, I don't – 400 push-ups, an hour and a half for an adult is, like, kind of aggressive. Like, that's a lot of push-ups to do in an hour Here's half. the one like, thing I'll say is that push-ups are way easier for kids than they are no, for true, adults. true. And I, I, I wasn't there to see if he was really doing good form. Like, I would like to go back. No, no, I'm just kidding. But still, no, that, regardless. That's, that's not saying that it's easy. I'm just saying, like, I don't think an adult could do that because 400 push-ups for an adult would be really tough. But, like, for a kid, you're, you know, your body weight is, is way lower. Imagine, so, so I always found it interesting, too. Like, one, imagine an eighth grader, 14 years old, running a 446. And everyone no, looking that, at the stopwatch. I can't and like, imagine. When I, was co- when I first came to Cincinnati, I was also writing for the Bearcat Journal and covering the Bearcats. And they had these camps where they'd have, like, local you know, prospects or high school prospects come and run for, like run forties. Like they'd literally just sit there on time and like they don't really react to it. But like imagine seeing a four four six from a fourteen year old. And then think about what had to happen for Nick Saban to be the first to offer. This is an LSU camp. He's got spies and shit everywhere. Like yeah. like how did he get that information so quickly quickly to the point where like, you know what? Give me this kid. I'm well, ready. He, he has moles at LSU. <laughs> He's got to. He's, He's got plan- to. he planted them when he was there. It's it's wild. It's wild that um, it's just that whole story is wild. I won't believe it though until I time it myself with my own yeah. timer because I may <laughs> have had four nine five. You know, man, man, I can't imagine. I can't <laughs> I mean, imagine. I mean, the second time on that. That's uh, that's ridiculous. Four four six is. is flying. It is. It is. Man. All right. Well, the draftpulse.com, Check it out. Austin Gale, uh, <laughs> guru of all things content. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. All righty. Um, that was awesome. Uh, that was fun. Well, I was I, hoping he was going to slap the bag, though. You know, that was the one thing yeah. that... And I think he hasn't... He's He probably heard me say that, which means that he's going to... I'm going to get a gif. We're going to get a gif of him slapping the coffee bag. 
soon. I mean, the thing the thing is, is like, you know, one of the big things that we've missed, you know, during this whole thing is just like being able to like talk shit, you know. Yeah. And and you know, it's fun to do that, even though, you know, it's not necessarily the most football thing to do. It's it's fun. You mean you mean discussing uh, brothers in bed at Airbnbs, bed and <laughs> breakfast? I, I thought. Air, have you read all the stories about Airbnb like tenants going under, and like how like they've let like at least let's you let's put hosts? a pot. Let's yeah, the host. Sorry, yeah, yeah. let's put a positive spin on it. At least Earl and his brother Seth were, were like trying to economy. curb that a little bit, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. they're 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 uh, friends of the people. That's a good point. I, yeah. I'm actually currently in like a Airbnb situation right now too, where like bachelor party was planned. Um, really doesn't make a lot of sense to go to Cabo right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's not be good. A statistic. Not yeah. good for the the host. Well, here's the thing: even if it was like I love going to the beach, right? Like I don't have to have other people there to be excited about it. But you imagine it has had no one there for months. Like, are the is anything open? Like, can I even get a taco anywhere? Like, that's well, that, the real question. Yeah, I mean, that's the tricky thing, right? Is that you know, just because uh, things open doesn't mean it's worth going. Well, I think that's that's one of the not to not to talk about the real world here, but like that's going to be like the big thing about everything yeah. opening up. Is it just that doesn't mean people are going to go buy things? You know, right? Unfortunately, just because Vegas opens up doesn't mean. Well, maybe we would go there. But um, that's there's nothing to bet on, so no. (laughs) Yeah, right. It it depends if the season's starting or not. Um, Okay, so we have a couple things that we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, divisions, and then we've got a couple of reviews that uh, we're going to talk about too to close out. So let's keep this simple and and short. This we talked about the schedule a little bit, how we think they might um, uh, format things, the chances of the first four games being canceled which to me is a is would be a huge huge red flag that we don't have a season but assuming that's a possibility that they go no first four and then start up is there a division is there a particular team where you're like this changes the way i view it uh that's a great question you know thank you what what what's a so who are the so what are the what's the 49ers like off off uh off cut like what's their AFC group this year? Um, they are they're quickly. playing the AFC East. Yeah. So so take so I think the NFC West is going to be pretty strong from top to bottom. Agree. So if you look at like the AFC East, they you would, look at like New England. What if New yeah. England starts one and three? Mm-hmm. You know, like does that change everything? I think it does. You know, and. and we saw it with Detroit last year. We, we there, there are teams that like this, you know, not decide to tank, but end up just kind of de facto tanking because of the outcomes of like the first eight weeks of the season, mm-hmm. let alone the first four. Um, I think that's one that you know that division could be a bunch of two and two or worse teams by uh, the end of so you, September. You did exactly what I was hoping you would do, which is think of this in a different way than I did. And bring up a great point. So I was I was thinking of okay, which team is going to have this easy road and get off to a good start? And I thought of um, Kansas City not having to play the NFC South. You know, if those first four get get um, 
uh, get postponed. But I like the way that you're thinking about it, which is, well, let's say we do play these games. Yeah. And let's look at the teams that are going to maybe lose more games than they would. And New right. England is the perfect team because I was thinking, you know, what teams are going to come out the first four games and be way worse during those first four than they might be during the last four or the second half? Uh-huh. And the, the two teams have to be New England because of what the hell, like, who knows with Stidham. And then Tampa Bay also, I think, is an interesting one. Um, and, you know, just because you don't know how much they've had a chance to gel. Exactly. And I don't know. Like, I'm under the assumption that they're going to play the first four games. Um, but, you know, obviously they're, in, they're preparing contingencies. But, like, if you're off schedule... You know, it's tougher. And and you even think about, like, okay, let's look at the flip side. Let's look at teams. Let's look at groups that have, like, sort of an easy road of it. Like, if you – where does the – so if you look at the Dallas Cowboys schedule. um, So they would play the the AFC North. uh, Right. So you get – so we we like the AFC North, but let's assume that it doesn't materialize. The the Dallas Cowboys finish second in their division. So their first six games – are going to be against AFC North. Baltimore's tough, but the other three teams are beatable. Then you get not the first-place team, because Philadelphia gets those two teams, mm-hmm. but the, the second-place team in the other two divisions uh, in the NFC. Like, that's right. a better... You know, like, and, you, and, that's the, and that's the NFC West. Right. So then you get, the, you get the Vikings instead of the Packers, and you get the Seahawks instead of the 49ers, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, whatever. And, but, like, that, to me, like, those are some helpful... Like, there's going to be a, a team that's going to be helped up. Like, you look at, like, people talk about Buffalo last season as being this great team. Well, what happened to Buffalo last year? Buffalo's first, I think, four games or five of their first six were in the state of New York. Right. You know, so we anchor on, like, them being good, you know, but in reality, what happened? Well, they went to, you know, they, they went to you know, the New York Jets, and they won. They went to the Giants and won, right? Then they had two straight home games, right? So your first four games of the season were all in New York. And then you had, you know, Tennessee on the road. Then you had a bye week, and then you had three straight home games. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you start six and two, seven of those eight games were at home, you know, in the state of New York, and you had a bye week there, right? Yeah. They finished the season 10 and six. That's four and four down the stretch, and we don't even like think about like four and five if you count the playoff game, and we don't even think about that necessarily. Um, and, and you know, all this does is take even more of the randomness and and undo it, right, and push it to the front. Um, you know, we might see some teams that are endowed with pretty easy beginnings. Yeah, that's another interesting one. The the, the games that are going to get pushed to the forefront where there's a close. A battle between the top two teams in the division, so like the Eagles and the Cowboys, where one team has a slightly easier go of it than the other, and another might be, you know, the AFC East. So the the Bills and the Patriots both very close in terms of where they're at um, in Vegas. Let me look. I think the Bills, Bills are, slight are just favorite. slight favorites. Yeah, yeah, plus one twenty five, and the Patriots are plus one thirty. But the Patriots, you know, did win that division last year, right? So they have those harder games up front um, than the Bills would have. Um, you know, the AFC South is another one, right? The AFC South is probably more – that is more interesting because both those teams are legitimately good, like they're Super Bowl contenders. 
and and that there's a difference there, right? The Saints are going to just have to play harder games. Yeah, well, and and that's you know, and then there are other yeah, there are there are some benefits, for example, to a team like Tennessee getting to play a second place schedule or Indianapolis getting to play a third place schedule. Um, you know, when they're probably better than Houston. Same thing with you know Dallas getting to play a second place schedule. Um, if I you know we don't believe necessarily in the Seahawks, but you know they're a you know a yard away from being a first place team now. They get to play mm-hmm. a second place schedule now. Minnesota as well versus Green Bay. Like all of those advantages, you know when you when you push the games to the front of the season, I think like you know what what, what will be interesting, and I think this will be a, a fun exercise for us if we get there, is modeling this stuff, right? Because a team's going to be five and one or six and zero oh, mm-hmm. or four and two, and they're not going to be that good. And then yep. we're gonna we're gonna be you know, fan bases are going to be mad at us for saying, well, you know, the chicken comes home to roost, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, the Falcons had this, too. Like, the Falcons, what was it, 2018, 17, 18? Like, all their division games were in, like, November and December, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, what do we even really know about this team? They're facing a bunch of, like, unfamiliar opponents. Um, you know, we're going to get that for every single team uh, in 2020 if the, if the reports are true. Yeah, that is fascinating. That'll make it very interesting. Um, it should make it exciting from like someone that is ex- is excited to bet on real sports again. But <laughs> you know, like that that's just going to make more. It's going to make it more fun to talk about, more fun to bet on. Um, well, I mean, we're going to have. I mean, we're going to have. And then the other thing that's going to be really fun is, I believe they're still going to do the seven team playoff, right? Yes. So if you if you go right. with that, like. If you if, if the seventeen playoff is a thing, um, then you know we we get a great deal of like variance, right? Like the the seventh seed team might not be very good, and they are aren't good to begin with, but they might even be more fraudulent here, right? Like it could be a team that starts out, you know, in this abbreviated you know, five and one, and then you know let's say fades down the stretch. Let's say it goes three and seven, they finish eight and eight, right? Yep, and they stink. But Who's, we are anchored to the five and one that they have, and you know they might be worse than you know the seeds eight, nine, and ten. So here's here's my team that that happens to, um, the Seahawks. Yeah. The Seahawks come out, they blitz the AFC East teams, they play slightly easier opponents on the next two. Um, they're five and one, six and zero, oh, and we have we have the fun opportunity to say they're not as good as uh, as the record indicates for a second straight season. Although this would be more, you know, this would be more yeah. um, I like egregious. the Seahawks fans, though, because the thing about the Seahawks fans is they're like, it's sort of like the person who says, like, no one's harder on me than myself. Yeah, yeah. Like That's the Seah- true, Seahawks fans are not, they're, 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 I haven't met delusional Seahawks fans the way that I've met delusional Bills fans and Jaguars fans and Bears fans and Vikings fans. Like you haven't even the, mentioned the Packers, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm laying off of them for a little bit, man. It must suck. Uh, so the you know, whereas Seahawks fans are basically, like, yeah, I mean, we're not that good, I guess. We'll we'll win a play. You know, yeah. Russell take us pretty far, but let, let's not pretend that we're any good. And I think that that stems from actually having a Super Bowl winning team that was that good, right? And like. You sort of see how every every outfit since then is sort of paled in comparison. Yeah. Do you have another team that we should be on fraudulent watch for? Uh, I don't know because I've I've pumped up Arizona, but I think for the very same reason, like the fourth place schedule, mm-hmm. AFC East, 
Like Josh, so Kyler Murray is going to be the best quarterback in every single matchup of the first what four games of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. assuming so, like they could be like four and two, five and one, and even though we're all like, "Yay, this is great," like it's probably not going to like last, last. You know, right? Um, for the very same reason, Seahawks, you know, schedule wise, but also they get it even more. No, that's a good point. I like those. Uh, okay, we've got two uh, ratings. Uh, sorry, two reviews that came in um, that were both really good. So we're going to hook these two people up uh, with some merch or an Edge subscription, depending on what they want. Uh, first one is from Daniel Konovalov. I think I said that right. Um, hopefully I do a better job. Konovalov. Sure. I mean, you had the benefit of hearing me say it and then <laughs> going a little quicker San Diego. Right. Uh, my question is related to team building and what research PFF may have done regarding A, the time it takes each position to reach its subjective peak, and B, how the subsequent peak is the slope and, I guess, band of the peak itself. From such a study, I was curious to see what the optimal team building structure one would take. This sort of doesn't take into account sound draft strategy, best player available in the most important positions, but I'm curious what you will say. We know running backs, defensive linemen, sometimes wide receivers tend to hit the ground running in the NFL, while some other positions take longer to develop, such as cornerbacks, offensive tackles, tight ends. I'm not sure where quarterbacks fall in this umbrella, but it seems highly variable, or maybe that's just amplified by the importance of the position and how much it is emphasized by the media for obvious reasons. What are your thoughts? It's a really good question. I, you know, it, it's um, <clears throat> it reach a subjective peak. That's hard to define. Although our our pal Timo has done a little bit of work looking at sort of like how yep. the you know, and, and generally speaking, the closer to the football you are, the longer it takes for you to develop. Um, you know, the, the other thing that's important to notice is the closer you are to the football. Interestingly, the less valuable our data finds you, only because. There are a ton of things, for example, pre-snap penalties and hold, you know holding and things like that, yep. you know, roughing the passer. Those penalties are almost entirely concentrated negatively on you. But when you do good things, uh, you know you have to share credit. So, you know, there's a lot of randomness there. But ultimately, like edge players, offensive linemen aren't as valuable, you know, as as you know maybe the public sees them. Uh, but it takes them longer to. to materialize as well so you know i would say i mean the hard part is is like linemen cost money right so you sort of have to i would say throw numbers at the situation in those circumstances um and but don't expect a whole lot out of your top picks you know well at least early that's what i think it's it, it is it's more about understanding your expectations than anything else so it's a great point i'm not changing the way that i draft because i'm still drafting valuable positions um and i'm drafting them high because i need players that are good and valuable positions but what i am going to understand is that there are players who you know i think receivers corners pass rushers to a certain extent um, and, and pass rushers, you know, are more stable, and that's why they fit in this class. But like, are players that I can go take flyers on in free agency that can help build depth, right? But that doesn't mean that I'm 
waiting until that point to bring in my superstar. And that's the big point here, which is I think there's a difference between say saying I'm going to wait to build depth and I'm going to wait to find a superstar at this position. You are always trying to find a superstar at that position and you need to find them in the draft because you're not going to pay them. Right? The other team is going to let them go. So yeah. to me, it's all about saying, hey, here are some positions that I can build depth in. Here are also some positions I should stay away from in free agency, like running back, for example, um, as opposed to changing your draft strategy so much. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, and then the other thing is like looking at situations where I would say players are viewed as really. Players tangential to them are viewed as really valuable. So take, for example, right tackles where, you know, the, let's say, you know, the, the APY, the top, you know, top five is 11.2 million, right? Yep. Versus left tackles where the APY of the top five is 14, 15 million. Like you get like a little bit of a benefit there as you look at the way Kansas City has sort of built their offensive line. They pay for brilliance on the right side, and they kind of deal with Eric Fisher on the left side. Not that he's bad, but just you know he's not worthy of that necessarily top contract. You know they they do they they help themselves there. Another one which I think is important is safety. So you know you do get you know the Eddie Jacksons, the Kevin Bayards, the mm-hmm. Tyron Matthew, who are in the 14 APY, Landon Collins. But there are tons of players who make. You know who are plenty good. I mean that that don't make a ton of money. I mean uh, Trey Boston has been a really elite free safety for three years, and he's always sort of available, right? Mm-hmm. Um, safeties, for example, if you get a bunch of them that are sort of in that second tier, they can make up for deficiencies at linebacker and corner and stuff like that, and they're not that expensive. And even though it's tough to predict them college to pro. Pro to pro, it's okay, and so then that's where you sort of dip your, your heels into sort of free agency, um, you know. And, and again, the other thing that I would that we've you know kind of discovered this year is that cornerback play. I mean, you look at you know the top guys at corner: Slay, Jones, Howard, Bradbury, right? Yeah. Slay had a rough year last year. Howard has had a rough year and a half or so. Bradbury, you know, is. He had tough assignments in Carolina, but he's not brilliant, right? And then before then, it was guys like Trumaine Johnson, right? It was guys like Janoris Jenkins, and, like, it's a mixed bag, right? So, you know, that's a place where I think, like, not only is the the value price-wise in the draft, but the value is depth-wise in the draft. That's a great point. Um, Second review is from uh, Crike Moss. That's his first name. That's that's pretty baller. Uh, He said... um, been listening and following you guys for almost a year, and uh, you both challenged me to think about the game differently. It's very kind of you. Uh, I feel like a little I get a little bit smarter every time. Yada yada yada. A bunch of nice things that he didn't need to say. But he said, as my pitch for a future episode, I was listening to the Ringer podcast that you guys did with Kevin Clark, and I'm absolutely here for the QB analysis where you guys view the starting QBs based on the question: Would their teammates answer a Zoom happy hour call <laughs> from them? Um, so you should, guys should check out that Ringer pod with Kevin Clark. It was a lot of fun. We went division by division, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, should we do a little teaser of this? Yeah, let's uh, do it. So let's let's go to the positive side first. Um, three quarterbacks you feel pretty confident that their teammates are answering Zoom happy hour calls from them. Um, I'm pretty confident Pat Mahomes. Happy hour call is getting answered. 
by everyone. <laughs> All yeah. 52, plus the coaching staff, plus the uh, plus the the staff in the stadium are picking up that call. Yeah, Mahomes is Mahomes is just generally viewed as a cool guy who's also really freaking good. <laughs> so he it's a he good gets combo. he gets that. Um, who's another one that's up there? Here's one that I think I'm going to go underneath the radar here. Okay, okay. Nick Foles. Really in Chicago? Yes. You think they're just so excited that it's yes. not? They look at well, they, they look at the phone and they go, "Oh man, is this Mitch again?" Thank God. Yes. And then they thank see God. Foles and they go, "Oh, I'm picking but this here's, up." Here's the other thing about Foles. Won a Super Bowl, right? And right. he and he like he put his balls on the table for two straight games and won the Eagles a Super True. Bowl. Went back to the bench, supported Wentz, right? Mm-hmm. Goes back in. That team's for dead. Seven and six, or six and seven, or whatever they were in 2018. Three straight wins, playoff win against the Bears, and then had New Orleans on the ropes in the divisional round in 18. He's oh. he's a guy who's like dealt with adversity, right? So in St. Louis, it was an absolute travesty. Like he he's he got traded for Sam Bradford, like got kind of discarded, right? Goes to St. Louis, doesn't play well, but like comes out of it looking like the, the the lesser of two assholes, right? As far as, you know, him versus Jeff Fisher. Mm-hmm. Goes to Kansas City, plays a plays a backup role, you know, goes to Jacksonville, is gracious about the Gardner Minshew thing. Like I feel like Nick Foles is like universally liked. Okay. And he and he's earned it, I think. That's a good one. Uh, I'll go under the radar again. I don't think this is like the number two guy, but I would say Jimmy G's Zoom call for a, a Zoom happy hour is getting answered by a, a very high percentage of the guys he tries. Mm-hmm. Ah, um, I think I think Jimmy G is like the... I think Jimmy G has planned a party or two in the Bay Area. Yeah, but it's... Jimmy G is the type of guy that doesn't plan a party that he tells everyone about. Jimmy G is the guy that, like, the day of just decides to throw something together and you show up and you're like, wow, did you plan this for, like, months? And he's like, nah, I just threw this together. Uh, you know about 30 minutes ago had right. a few friends over and it's like the coolest thing ever yeah um w- let's go to the other side of things um guys that that probably aren't getting the phone call answered by as many people as you'd like uh i would say as much as i Can we like, just go to the nfc north <laughs> yep I, I was gonna say that the two that come to mind are uh aaron Rodgers and baker mayfield oh yeah, I love Baker. I and I think this is almost more a function of the Browns than it is Baker Mayfield. But I'm a little worried about how many people are answering that that phone call. That's fair. I think Baker has quite a bit to prove, right? <laughs> and yeah, yeah like, his... I think there's a lot of people that look at the the, the call coming in and go, ah, I don't know, I don't know what this is about. This could be this could be fun. It also could be not fun. Um. So yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, obviously, I'm gonna go. I think Kirk Cousins is somebody where they're kind of like you remember in the 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 was it the couples retreat movie? Yes. When that's Jason a great ba- first. Jason 60%. Bateman. They're like, can we are we not? Can we not talk? Can we not have a a slide about ball cancer? You know. Like, Jason Bateman's the kind of guy, you know, Kirk Cousins is kind of Jason Bateman in that movie. Oh, man. That and is a I, perfect analogy. And I feel like, I feel like 
that everybody's just like they're they're friends with Kirk. He's a nice enough guy. There's really no reason to hate him. Yeah. But like, there's not. Now, you know, no one's fairness, thrilled about Jason Bateman. With him. Jason Bateman gets the couples to go on the retreat, though. <laughs> yes. I don't know if Kirk gets them to go on the retreat. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> although, although, I mean, if Kirk, let's put it this way: if Kirk said, "Hey, Adam Thielen, we're going to go to Sandals, and I'm paying." I think I, don't I think, think he goes. I think I everybody think goes, he, right? So think he, not to sandals. <laughs> Come on, you do better than that. East of uh, Eden. What was the place? Like the Eden or whatever. That's a great. I got to put that movie on the background today. That okay, movie, the first sixty percent of that movie is fantastic. Uh, Kirk uh, Cousins would be my winner in terms of like. I just don't think he's getting. He, he's the best quarterback that's getting less than fifty percent of people to pick up his phone call. Yeah, I think so. That's the that's the crazy. Kirk has somehow figured out a way. To be very talented, but kind of never like universally the guy, right? Okay, can I give you one more? Okay, Sam Darnold. I was I was thinking about Darnold. I just, man, I don't. He doesn't, despite the fact that he got mono. I don't. I don't think that's a good thing for him. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that are like. You know, remember that story that was like uh, after that one win or something, he went out with the team and was like just hammered drunk. The guy yeah. that gets so hammered drunk that you have to kind of take care of him is not the guy that you're stoked yeah, to that go happy hour with. Fun. Yeah, you uh, want yeah. the guy that's always giving you a drink and making sure you're having a great time. And that yeah. to me is I love. This is not personal, obviously. I actually like Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold a bit, quite a bit. I just don't think they're getting a high return on this Zoom call. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the the it, it's it, you know these are all alphas to some degree, but we're looking this, at the betas among them. Yeah, this has nothing to do with the fact that that Sam Darnold has uh, struggled um, thus far in his NFL career. It's more about. Who, here's the question, though: if if you're a Jets player, do you pick up the phone if it's Gase or Darnold? Oh, Darnold. Gase, Gase is the one. Gase is getting an eye roll. Gase is getting a throw <laughs> or the phone in the corner. Uh, Gase is getting the, you know, when you see, it, you like, you don't just let it ring. You're like, you know, I don't give a shit. And you just click, you know, ignore. That's, that's what's happening for Gase. Oh, man. All right. Uh, this has been fun. Maybe we'll do a full ranking at some point. Um, so both of you guys, thanks for the reviews. Remember, if you want uh, to get some either PFF swag or an Edge subscription, write us a five-star review with a take, a question, a suggestion for something that we can talk about, um, and then uh, give us a, if we read your question, shoot us a DM, um, and we'll uh, we'll get you taken care of. John Turek, we, we're getting him taken care of. He was the guy that won last week. Uh, NFL schedule coming out tonight. We're going to have a live show. We're going to start about 745 both of us are going to be on there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so check that out, and uh, we'll see you guys on Monday. Peace out.